Support for Petri Dish is made possible by UT Health San Antonio, committed to transforming the health of the community through a team that tackles problems from every angle, doing everything it takes to bring each patient the best possible outcomes, from teaching tomorrow's healthcare leaders to translating research into new treatments. UT Health San Antonio strives to make lives better. Learn more at everythingittakes.org. On August 31st, 2021, Last night in Kabul, the United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan, the longest war in American history. We completed one of the biggest airlifts in history with more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety, facing a crush of enormous crowds seeking to leave the country. The Afghan security forces, after two decades of fighting for their country, and losing thousands of their own did not hold on as long as anyone expected. My name is Dr. Chinar Siddiqui. I am a general practitioner from Afghanistan. I was a provincial hospital director in Paktika province. I work with international medical corps for uh, eight years. During this process, I also work with U.S. Army when the government of Afghanistan collapsed. So I hear that someone searching me. Then I left my home and they contact us that please try to come near to the airport because we know that you and your family is in danger. We hear a bad sound of explosion and we hear that more than 200 people die in this near area. So we were just in this place with my children, with my wife, you know, our whole family were there. So in the last time, in the last time, the American soldier came to the gate and we tried to go there when they saw me and our family. So they take us, all our families. Then we came to Qatar, from Qatar to Washington, D.C., and then New Mexico. And then to San Antonio. Siddiqui, his wife, and his three children were among the around 80,000 Afghans who braved gunfire and explosions to get to the Kabul airport in August of 2021 and get out of a country that was no longer safe for any of them. Margaret Constantino is the executive director of the Center for Refugee Services in San Antonio. It was a very dangerous evacuation, and a lot of families ended up being split with some relatives left behind. Even some children were left behind. Though Siddiqui was able to escape with his immediate family intact, he left behind a brother and five sisters. He knows his brother and two nephews have spent time in prison since he left. So that's one of the first real signs of trauma that we see in everybody. The collapse of their beloved country in a matter of days and the danger that existed for those that were left behind. Constantino is also an expert in mental health who worked for many years as a counselor. And she says those two factors alone have left this population vulnerable to post-traumatic stress disorder. They saw the explosion in the airport where all those people died during, during the evacuation. We hear stories from Afghans about how they had to hide because the Taliban were actively shooting people. I mean, this was a horrible, horrible 
evacuation experience. So I would I would bet that the incidence of PTSD are going to be much higher than 50%. How are they coping? What do they need? From Texas Public Radio, this is Petri Dish. I'm Bonnie Petri. Oh, Bonnie Petrie, I recognize the name. <laughs> <laughs> I've recognized you before. She had some questions that I couldn't answer. I said, you need to talk to a medical. Dr. Alexander Shepard has been a doctor in the United States for 45 years. He works and teaches at UT Health San Antonio, and he volunteers quite a bit of his free time at the San Antonio Refugee Health Clinic. Well, it's a student-run clinic, mm-hmm. so the students go organize it, request attendings like me to uh, come and see the patients after them. They go see the patients, they make an assessment, they come and present to us. We go and see them. We have today, I think, five translators because we have a lot of patients from Afghanistan just now because of the exodus of translators and so on from Afghanistan. So, And it's basically a primary care setting. We don't have a lot of stuff. We have some medications that we use here. Some of them in that cupboard over there. Some of them we can uh, get to other clinics. They see refugees from all over the world. But for nearly two years now, it's been overwhelmingly people from Afghanistan. They treat pain, infections, rashes, high blood pressure, asthma, diabetes. And often, a patient will exhibit symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD manifests itself in many ways frequently by depression, inability to sleep, inability to your normal systems functioning. There's, I mean, there are negative symptoms and positive symptoms. The negative symptoms are you withdraw, and the positive symptoms are you actively cry, and, and so on. And so we see a lot of that. The clinic offers visits with a psychiatrist twice a month where refugees can seek support and perhaps medication, if appropriate. The clinic psychiatrist has a waiting list. Chinar Siddiqui, the refugee we met at the beginning of the show, who was a doctor who directed a hospital and worked with the U.S. Army back in Afghanistan, well, now he works at the clinic set up inside a church near where many Afghan refugees have apartments. Just help with Afghan people in health-related issue, like translating, like work with community health workers, go to home visit, give them health education. But I miss my practice because I'm a surgeon. I, I'm able to do a lot for people in health. Yeah. Yeah. Loss of status, of identity, in addition to the disorienting experience of losing really everything that is known to you, These are also issues that could cause refugees to experience anxiety and depression. Everything was here completely different, 100% different here. Uh, Culture is different, job is different, work is different, everything is different. In his role as a community health worker, he sees his countrymen and women struggling. You know, a lot of Afghan, more than 80%. Even in women, more than 90%, they have deep depression. Margaret Constantino is not at all surprised to hear him say that 90% of the women in the community are struggling with depression. 
Afghan culture is still strictly gender-segregated, even after more than 20 years of American influence. Most of the women would not even think about leaving home without a male escort, and most of the men are working all the time, so many women end up isolated. We've seen women who have not gone outside the door in six months. How does anybody stay healthy in that kind of environment? And some are experiencing the same kind of identity loss Dr. Siddiqui talked about. This woman, who also goes by Siddiqui, she sat down with TPR military and veterans issues reporter Carson Frame last year, and she said that she is college-educated in physical therapy and in Afghanistan worked for the Red Cross for 15 years. I was working there as a um, prosthetic and orthotic, and I was uh, in charge there in my workplace. Uh, so when I came, yeah, I was in charge. When she left Afghanistan with only her husband and her life, she, of course, left her profession behind, her family. Here, she had a baby, but spent most of her time alone with her infant in her apartment while her husband worked. I changed to a professional life to be a mom or a mother or a wife in, uh, in the house. Um, yeah, so I think it, it takes time to um, get familiar with this situation. So Constantino says her organization's mental health interventions for women begin with that. What do you eat in the morning? The same thing we eat. The Center for Refugee Services hosts activities like cooking classes, walking groups, and teas like this one. After, after me, every meal, you have to serve the green tea for the, uh, for the guest. If you don't, whether you have a, lots of uh, variety of food, but still they will say, the food was good, but it was, it was not a green tea available. <laughs> oh, uh, they will laugh. They will I, laugh. How do you make your bread at home? You buy this or do you make it? They prepare by their self. Okay. Because if Afghan women do not cook the bread at home, yeah. the man says you are worthless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be pretty good. No, I, I like to. But I don't. <laughs> <laughs> women, some educated and multilingual, and some who can't read or write in their own language, sit on thick traditional rugs in a section of an Afghan restaurant, watch their children play, break bread and laugh. <laughs> it helps. But what about the kids? We'll talk about them when Petri Dish continues.
Support for Petri Dish is made possible by UT Health San Antonio, committed to transforming the health of the community through a team that tackles problems from every angle, doing everything it takes to bring each patient the best possible outcomes, from teaching tomorrow's healthcare leaders to translating research into new treatments. UT Health San Antonio strives to make lives better. Learn more at everythingittakes.org. You're listening to Petri Dish. I'm Bonnie Petrie. Uh, my name is Ahmadullah. Uh, I'm uh, 17 years old. 18. Yeah, I already turned 18. Ahmadullah is a little nervous, but really quite composed for a teenager who's just agreed to talk to an American reporter. He has a thicket of dark brown hair that curls and deep brown eyes to match. He really looks like a typical Gen Z teen, and as a parent of one of those, I'm really happy to talk to him. He tells me he goes to a nearby high school, a rival of my daughter's high school, and we laugh. He loves school. Uh, my major is computer science, yeah, cybersecurity, yep. And I have, uh, like for next year, I have some classes like uh, AP, computer science principal, and also some other classes like kind of I have right now animation. I asked him about Afghanistan. He was 16 when they evacuated. His dad was a general in Paktika province, he says, but he and the rest of his family lived in Kabul. He says Kabul was nice. He liked it there. Before. Uh, uh, when the Taliban came, my dad was in a hard situation in Paktika. Like, I can't explain how we feel at that time. Like. Like, I didn't think that my dad will be alive from Taliban. The Taliban took all all over the country, and all the day we feel like maybe they came in our home and they killed our dad. It was hard to get to the airport uh, between the all uh, Russia that there was like kind of thousand, thousand people in front of the airport. Yeah, all the, there was a lot of garage yeah, in front of the airport, and it was kind of hard to get into the airport. But but they got into the airport. They got onto a plane. Was, I can't explain the happiness that, like, the main thing that I was very happy about the life was the life uh, the life of my dad that he is alive. Most of the children evacuated from the Kabul airport after the Afghan government fell will have similar stories. They are carrying this trauma with them. Though research on the Afghan refugee population published back in 2016 suggests younger refugees are less likely to develop post-traumatic stress disorder than older ones, perhaps because their experiences are buffered by adults who support them and fulfill their basic needs, These kids do still face mental health challenges, and many of them find support at school. I am strong. I am strong. I am smart. I am am smart. Aria Pluck teaches a third grade newcomer class at a San Antonio elementary school. The newcomer class is designed to help recent immigrant English learners to get acclimated to their new country, their culture, their new school, and their new language. TPR education reporter Camille Phillips recently visited Pluck's classroom where she learned 
this educator is something of a newcomer herself. She's only been teaching for a year and a half, and she's been teaching this class of young Afghan refugees the whole time. It's been such a joy to watch, you know, really because their first couple of months, I was, so I'm, even though I'm currently their third grade teacher, last year when I had first started, I was their second grade teacher, and I had moved up with them into third grade. So I've kind of been with them, you know, through this journey ever since they really started school in America. And so I will never forget, you know, those first couple of months, truly how how much work it was, how challenging some pieces were. This class for these kids is sort of a soft place to land. Pluck is teaching them English, but she also speaks some Pashto, one of the predominant languages of Afghanistan spoken by many of these kids. At first I learned a lot, you know, just to be functional, like saying sit down or stand in a line or please go back to your seat or, you know, good morning, hello. I'm sorry, um, friend, I love you, um, things like that they would teach me. And then, it, you know, teaching, you know, other important phrases like I'm smart and I'm strong, I'm important, I'm going to have a good day today. Just I found that it was a priority to learn and posture the things that I knew would sink deep into their hearts and um, things that I wanted to stick with them so that they would truly understand what I was trying to communicate to them. It is challenging to help kids process their trauma and their fears with cultural and language barriers. But, you know, slowly with the work of our counselors and, you know, with the help of translators over the phone that can translate in Pashto for us, we're able to, you know, take small steps towards health um, mentally, so. Amadala is older than these kids, on the edge of adulthood, but still young enough to not spend too much time ruminating about everything he left behind. It was hard, but uh, like uh, when we, when I think about the days that I was in a in a Kabul and all around were Taliban, and I was so stressed about our life, our survive. I feel very good. He wants to go to college in the United States and major in something to do with computers. I would like, like, as a teenager, as an Afghan, uh, here I want to be someone that all our Afghans proud of me, and not even Afghan, uh, also American proud of me. I want to, to be someone like that but he's not sure he'll be able to go to college. For these Afghan refugees, the future remains uncertain. Chinar Siddiqui, the Afghan refugee doctor who is a community health worker for refugees in San Antonio, says right now that uncertainty is the greatest obstacle to emotional healing. Because till now, you know, we don't have permanent residency. We have just parole status. So in this condition, we are not able to go ahead. We are still under pressure. My family is still under pressure because we don't know about our future. If his family does get permanent residency, Siddiqui says he will immediately start doing whatever it takes to become recognized and practice as a doctor in the United States.
This episode of Petri Dish was produced by TPR News Director Dan Katz, Jacob Rosati, and me. Jacob Rosati also composed all the music and created the sound design on the show. Audio editing was done by Bennett Smith. Special thanks to TPR reporters Camille Phillips and Carson Frame for their contributions to this episode. Petri Dish is a production of Texas Public Radio. I'm Bonnie Petrie. Talk to you soon.